You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Houndsman XP podcast is fueled by Joy Dog Food. Joy Dog Food has a rich tradition of supporting the Houndsman of America. Founded in 1945, Joy is proud of its history and the relationship it has built with the American Houndsman. And in 76 years, there's never been a recall. Made with 100% American-made high-quality ingredients, Joy Dog Food has one of the highest calorie-dense formulas on the market. For 76 years, this Made in America product has kept hunting dogs in the field day after day, season after season. And when we say Made in America, Joy has a long track record of fighting for American freedoms by being on the front lines against the animal rights movement and their extremist tactics. Joy will fuel your hounds and fight for your freedoms, fueled by Joy. is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up there! Get him! Get him! Yeah! Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many day how many days a week do you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs>
Will Keeling with Coondog Wear is in the house on the Houndsman XP podcast. Folks, I'm going to tell you what, Will is a good dude. There's just no two ways about it. I struck up a friendship with him a couple years ago. Uh, probably kicked off in a major way down at the Grand American. We just stay in touch all the time, texting, calling, you know, just a normal 21st century way. But every time I see Will, uh, it's a good time. It's a real good time. You're going to get to hear us talk about all kinds of cool stuff. We're going to talk about him breaking into competition coon hunting in a major way with a major purchase of a very well-known hound from John Strickland, who is a major player in this sport these days for sure. We're also going to talk about how Will carries his message as a hunter and a houndsman and a coon hunter out to the entertainment world. Because Will, known as BK in the hip-hop industry, shares his passions for hunting with a crowd that I think a lot of times we just figure isn't interested in what we do. And you're going to hear a very interesting take on this from BK. So stay tuned, folks. This is a box shaker. Let's get the tailgate down. It's time to dump the box. This one is hot off the press, folks. Literally, it's a print magazine designed for houndsmen. It's the original Tree Dog publication. Full Cry will be back in circulation in October. I can't wait. I grew up on Full Cry magazine. I used to take those issues and scour through every page. And the photos of houndsmen doing hound dog stuff was just epic. I mean, it molded me and shaped me as a houndsman from a young age. You can get your subscription to Full Cry Magazine when you join us on Patreon. That is going to be a benefit that we are going to offer to all of our Patreon supporters in collaboration with Full Cry Magazine. So you can join us on Patreon by going to houndsmanxp.com, clicking on the Support Us tab, and it will take you straight to our Patreon page. That also includes Tailgate Talks, which are like many podcasts every week that, that Seth is pumping out there. There's articles, there's videos, there's uh, benefits for the Sportsman's Alliance. There's tons of discount codes for all of our vendors. You can check it all out at houndsmanxp.com. Yep, gotcha, buddy. Repping the, repping the Houndsman XP and the Coon Dog wear, man. Yeah, got to right. Yeah, no doubt. How are things in Georgia? Uh, tiring, man. I gotta leave town. Um, what's today? Uh, Thursday. I gotta leave town Saturday for uh, about ten days. So I've been the past few nights like breaking day with the dogs, to, and then coming home taking my daughter to school. So I'm beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just I know when I get I, I'll be gone. We'll be able to hunt them, so I just try and wear them out a little bit. You haven't got somebody hunting your dogs for you? Yeah, I have. I have a guy, a kid that does. Um, he does really well with them. We he, he won last week at the Labor Day Classic with a couple couple casts, and um, but I I have Apollo here, and I have a female that's in heat. I'm about to breed her to him, so I, I so I'm not gonna send him over there to be hunting while I'm gone because I'm gonna breed him. Apollo that uh, Strickland had? Yeah, yeah, I bought him. Oh, you did? Yeah. Dang, look at you. Playing yeah. with the playing with the big dogs. 
Flying Apollo. Yeah, I wouldn't call it playing with him, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, what kind of dog is Apollo? I mean, what? How? How would you classify Apollo? I've never seen him go. I had the opportunity one time, and then uh, John was here at the house, and we were going to turn him loose, and there was a storm rolling in. It was just nasty, and I can't remember what he was doing here. Oh, he was picking up a pup. Oh, okay, okay. A big awesome. country pup. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. He's a beast, man. He's, he's loud. He's fast. He's, uh, he's deadly accurate. He's, he's, he's a beast. He's a real deal. And, um, I ended up getting him cause you know, pre, uh, prior to me owning him, I was buying a bunch of dogs, like, you know, for decent money, 10, 15,000, 20,000. And they just weren't, they weren't giving me what i expected and what i was looking for i was looking for the main thing was consistency i was looking for the, the dog to be the same way every single night yeah no and, matter where you drop him yeah no matter where i'm at and i wasn't getting that so i saw um apollo come for sale and uh i knew judas pretty good and i called him and he told me you know just told me about it he said no he's the right kind and so i called john after that and um i went and got him and he's been Literally to the T, everything everyone's ever said. I get so many calls about that dog, man. Have you been have you been uh campaigning him still? Is he still on the campaign circuit? I kind of lost track of him after John had him. Uh no, he's not really on a campaign circuit, really. I just kind of just been hunting for myself and just kind of getting to know him and and seeing, you know, seeing his checking his capabilities out for myself just so I would know um what he is. But um to be honest with you, man, I've had a really hard time just trying to determine if I wanted to still push him in hunts because he's already won everything except for the world hunt, you know. So it's like I'm not I'm not sure if I want to push him or just breed him. And, and the the reason the reason I got him too is I want to be able to start my own foundation of dogs. I don't want to have to keep buying dogs. Yeah. So yeah. How old is Apollo now? He'll be five in October. Oh heck, man! He's still got some miles on him then, for sure. Oh, he got. He got plenty of miles on him, man. Like, yeah. He's a, like I said, he's a beast, man. Yeah. Well, we got Will Keeling on the podcast from Coon Dog Wear, and uh, we're just catching up here. We're going to get more into Apollo, but, uh, Will, how was Autumn Oaks? How, do, how did Autumn Oaks treat you? Autumn Oaks was awesome. I had a great time there. It's always a good time. This, I think this is my third time going, second or third time going. But it was uh it was great, man. Get to catch up with everybody, get meet new people. That's uh, always a highlight for me. Just catching up with buddies from the, the previous years, and um, uh, it was a good turnout. There was a lot of people there, a lot of dogs there in the hunt. So uh, I think the UKC did a great job with it, which they always do. So um, I I really enjoyed myself. Actually, I went there Monday, stayed for the week, and just pleasure hunted and hunted a little bit in the slams and stuff. Yeah, you doing good up there? You doing winning up with uh, anything you? Drug up there with uh, you? We uh, we in uh in the, the UKC slams. I only hunted one night and didn't have any luck really. Um, I hunted uh or uh Hugh Arthur and uh and um Hunter. They uh they hunted two dogs uh of mine in the slams for or for the uh not slams but the Labor Day Classic. They went over there and hunted and they won. They won with those dogs over there a little bit. I took Apollo out one night. And just just caught a bad break and just didn't um just didn't pull it off. But it was a it was a great great experience, great cast all week. So we had a great time. Cool, cool. 
Well, I want to talk about Apollo some more because I'm curious. I've, I'm not familiar with how he's bred at all. What's he out of? Why, why well, did you look at him for uh, just breeding stock for the future? Because, you know, um, is it because of his winning or is it because of his breeding or is it a combination of both? Uh, it's a combination of, of several things. Um, he's at, well, he's out of power pack. He's so, uh, she's so easy, which is, uh, uh, I would say a historic breeding for Walker dogs, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's funny cause buddy Delitri down in South Georgia, he had a lot to do with that cross and, uh, he has a, a pup pen down there. And so I've, I've met him a few times, took a few puppies down there. And uh, and I just always been hearing talk about you know power pack easy power pack easy. That have a female here named Time. She's off power pack and she actually won up there at this Labor Day Classic last week a little. Now and, and I was just like man, like looking more into the the breeding itself before I bought a big dog like that. I wanted to make sure it was something that that wasn't like a fluke dog, you know, like it wasn't like he wasn't like the only one of his breeding mm -hmm. that made turned out well. So I, so after researching, I found out how many winners came out of that cross, how many winners come from the power pack easy line. And I thought it would be a good start for me to start my own dogs here at the house with something that, uh, that is already known to reproduce is known, is known to, to have the right kind of dogs that I'm looking for, which are, which are fast and loud dogs and accurate dogs. So I, um, so I just, I just kind of went for him based off of mainly based off of the breedings and, and of course his, his winning speak for himself. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that brings up an interesting point. You know, what is it? What kind of dog do you think it's gonna it takes to win? You know, in in competition. I I just think like you know, once again, I I, am, I haven't been competition hunting a long time, right? And I'm really not that good at it. <laughs> but I try. That makes two of us. <laughs> but I try, and I enjoy trying. But uh. To me, I, I just feel like it just takes a well-balanced, intelligent dog. Um, yeah. I feel like, you know, everyone, everyone gets into the deep and lonely or they get into, you know, like the mouth or this and that. I feel like it, like the mouth is always great. Um, but I feel like the biggest thing is just intelligence. And a dog that, that knows how to hunt and wants to hunt and has the, the desire in his heart to just keep going. Mm -hmm. so the gameness of him in the heart is, is the main thing for me. What kind of handle does Apollo have on him? I bet it's a pretty good one. Strickland can put a handle on a dog. Man, Str Strickland, that's a, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's like my, like now that I've got Apollo, he's like my encyclopedia, that, that guy, man. <laughs> Every, any, any question I have, he always has the right answer. But handle-wise, Apollo, if he If he doesn't have the right answer, he'll think he does. He'll make you think right. he's got he'll the right answer. He'll sound good. <laughs> no, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> John's great, man. I, I actually, I, after all the most, I went to his house for a night. We pleasure hunted a little bit, and um, but now in, in regards to Apollo, if he can hear me, he's coming. So yeah, so handle wise, he's great. He'll walk. He walks on lead well. He loads easy. He he, you call him, he's coming. You can call him across a river. You can call, call him across whatever you need to get him from. Is he pretty calm around the house? Pretty laid back. That's the fun. One of the funniest things about him is that if you look at him in the kennel. Here at the house, you'll be like, Man, this dog's a little lazy little thing, you know? Like he just <laughs> day, he doesn't bark much. Uh, uh, so you, you, he kind of tricks you a little. He's like a sleeper, you know, because you snap that collar, that boy's gone. And yeah, he ain't, he ain't coming back unless you call him back. But once he takes off, he's gone. Man, I've, I, you know, I told, I, I said, I, I'm not any good at competition hunting. I'm not, but I, you know, I, I, 
did it for close to 30, almost 40 years. And you'd think I'd have more to show for it for investing that much time. But right. uh, competition hunting was a lot different back in the day than it is now. As you know, club hunts and local hunts were a big deal, state races, chasing those truck tickets and things like that. And now you're, you know, you're out there paying big money to hit big events. But um, one thing that I noticed was when we sold big country to John and Ashley, we sold him to Ashley and then John, John got part partnered up with Ashley on him is mm -hmm. the handle that he put on a dog, you know, and country, um, had a decent handle on him before he went down there. You know, mm -hmm. I, we, we put a pretty good, good hand when he was young, he didn't have any handle. He's just a brute. He's just like a, a bull in a china shop you know he about yanked me <laughs> off a bluff one night i might have even been before i owned him i was just handling him in a tree for donnie and mm -hmm. donnie walked up right when i was giving him a little encouragement not to be a you know a jack wagon when right. somebody's got him on a lead <laughs> right. I, was, I, was, I was tuning him up a little bit <laughs> but Get uh, <laughs> yeah i was I was just showing him there's an alternative to acting like a fool in life, you know? Right, right. But one thing I've noticed about, you know, really good dogs that I enjoy hunting with and I enjoy being around is that they're just, they're just good. They've got good kennel manners. They've got some sense. They know what their job is. They're not going to waste a bunch of energy acting a fool, you know, on a, on a, when they're tied out or anything like that. I never could get along with a dog that, that when you had them tied out at an event or you got them out there, they just stood at the end of their chain barking. I always liked that dog that was just pretty laid back and cool. And then, right. and then when you got ready to roll, man, they, they, it's like you flipped a switch in them. Right. And that's, and that's, that's exactly how he is. And I, and I always look at dogs, especially male dogs. Like if I want to start breeding them or I want to do something with them, I always look at like, like they're, you know, disposition and would I mind having 10 or 20 of them dogs in my yard at one time? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that, that has a lot to do with him as well. Um, because I would, I would love to feed, to feed as many dogs off of him as I can just because of how, how well he is, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, you know, like my jazz female, you didn't know she was here. Uh, big country was the same way, real quiet in the kennel. Mongo out of big country was that way. I've got a pup out of here, out of here right now, out of big country and jazz. Um, she's a little more wired up and than what I like, but a little bit of a, you know, a couple of days with a bark collar on and she gets her mind back. Right. But a lot of it is just a lot of times when you've got that dog, that's acting like that, what they're really telling you is they need to get out of the kennel. They need to be worked. A performance dog has right. to have a job and they have to be worked. And if you don't give them one, then they're going to find one that could be bouncing off the walls. It could yeah. be barking yeah, in the kennel, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's a, a huge factor with, with these, uh, any kind, any type of working dog. Like I have a Doberman here and, um, anyway, any working dog, if you don't give them somewhere to channel that energy, there's going to be negative energy, just like a kid. You don't, you don't give them an outlet. They're going to, you can get a negative reaction. You know what I mean? Um, so 100%. Yeah. So, um, but in regards to like, uh, like with Apollo man, um, he's the first dog that let me see. Well, second, what first or second dog that 
he was he was everything that the the previous owner said he was, and there, there were no surprises. Like you know, a lot of times you get like uh, you purchase a dog, and and it, there'll be everything that the person said it to a T, except for that one little mistake that they left out that that, that you're gonna hate. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, okay, so I gotta ask you this then. And this is a good conversation. There's no perfect dog, so you know if a person asks you what the dog's doing. I think we as buyers have to ask the right questions at times too. You know, um, there's a difference between like, let me think how I want to put this. There's been times when I had a dog that suited me to a T, but he probably wouldn't suit you to a T. Right. And that that's always a hang up for me. If I'm going to sell a dog, you know, because I want to make sure that I'm telling them everything about the dog. But a lot of times the way I'll tell them about the dog, they're going to be thinking, well, I'm not paying you that much. You know, if you're going to talk like that about your dog, I'm not going to pay you that much for that dog. Right. Cause, cause I'm hard to please. Right. No, for sure. For sure. And I think, I think a lot of the biggest things that I've dealt with so far in, in these dogs and when purchasing dogs is like owners not telling you that he's a thyroid dog, uh, owner not telling you that, um, I don't know that, you know, that he has some type of bad habit, like, you know, like, oh, he'll treat coons all night. He'll do this and do that. But they forget to tell you to help run deer first, you know, or, or whatever it is, you know? Well, Josh Michaela says that's not a bad thing that they run a deer. Yeah. I'm saying this, I'm just, <laughs> I got to get my digs in on Josh BK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not saying it is a bad thing. I'm just saying those are just some of the things that, you know, that, that someone will leave out of sometimes in a conversation. Actually, I, I spoke to Josh. They came up to me, man. It was a real cool guy. He uh, what? Josh came up to me and spoke to me at Automotive. We passed each other by. So we had a yeah. brief conversation. So I haven't I haven't really had much conversation with him before, prior to then. But he's you nice probably guy. got you probably got enough. You probably got <laughs> enough. Just <laughs> no, Josh is a good dude. He's doing some good stuff over at uh Fuel by Joy. You know, he 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 was with us for a long time and, and Josh is still a good friend, but there's never any doubt that Josh and I are going to be giving each other crap nonstop yeah, all the time. Yes. From your podcast, you guys. Yep. Together. <laughs> yep. So, okay. So what are some things that are just like those key things that when you buy a dog and you bring it home and you start hunting it, that make you think, man, this guy screwed me. What are some, some no-goes for BK? Well, the biggest thing for me is just the whole, like, health stuff, right? Like, in terms of thyroids or a dog that has any type of diseases, which I'm sure sometimes some people might not realize it or might not know. But right. there's been a couple I get a dog here and they have Ehrlichia or they have Lyme disease. And, and they, you know what I'm saying? And I, don't, and I don't find out. And so I start trying to hunt them and they don't want to do anything, you know? And they're like, what right. that dog? That dog was X, Y, and Z when he was here. And I'm just like, well, I don't see that. And to the point where I'm like, all right, well, something else has to be wrong. Then I go to the vet and find out, oh, he has this or he has that. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So to me, the biggest thing. Um, that so I've health had. health, health issues are first for you. Right. You want full disclosure on health stuff. Yeah. yeah. So a snap test is is like, I don't know what they are now, probably 50 bucks. So do you ask people for a snap test to show you a a clean wreck bill of health uh, there. 
I I have I, well, it depends, right? So I, I at first I didn't because I didn't know any better. I just thought everybody was like me, gonna just you know. <laughs> send, send oh me. man, yeah, buddy, you know <laughs> better than that. You're an yeah, entrepreneur. I, You're a man of the world and a businessman. Yeah, I do now, but now so <laughs> so so some people do and some people don't. But now I, I, I kind of make it a requirement, but. I don't uh, really foresee myself buying any more dogs for a little bit. I got kind of a good little bit of uh, kennel uh, dogs in the kennel right now between Apollo, Mr. Moses, uh, uh, this female named Fire that me and Johnny Hyatt have. Um, so I, I think I'm pretty content right now. I'm going to just work on trying to get some Apollo pups on the ground and start start some of those. Go ahead, man. Keep talking. I'm I'm sending Heath Hyde a message right now. He's he's trying to call me. Uh, oh. I got him taken care of. Yeah. So so what's another thing? We got health. What's another what's another drop dead drop uh, dead really, thing that you just really, walk away from a deal that leaves a bad taste in your mouth? No, really, just the health is the only like deal breaker for me. Cause that's the only thing that can't be worked. Well, it can be worked on, but it like it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a process. Like I had a dog one time I bought, man. And I love that dog. He was he was a great dog, but he had all the health problems. You got to give him two pills in the morning for this, two pills at night for this, one pill in the afternoon for that. I'm just it was just too much, man. So just that's my biggest and only hang up really is is that health stuff is like the biggest deterrent for me with with purchasing something. The rest of it you can see if you if you go right. and you hunt with the dog. I th I think there's an obligation on the part of the buyer too. You know, for there's sure. certain there's certain people out there that that i would buy a dog from without ever hunting with it you know right. but there's a just a few you right. know the rest of the time i'm gonna go and i'm gonna evaluate the dog myself when i was younger you know i'd get i would overlook some things you know i would get drawn in shiny objects man that's a good looking dog i want right. to own that dog you know you get it's like looking at it uh a used truck when you're 16 years old you know if it's got right. good good rims on it and it's shiny man i like it yeah well you know like, like i was telling i think I, I mean you you know we've talked a bunch of times but um for me like coming into this sport i didn't i didn't have anyone to like kind of like guide me you know what i'm saying so it was like mm -hmm. i kind of out there and was just doing stuff and learning as i went so i really didn't have anyone to tell me hey well you need to go put this dog in this type of situation. Like I'll go test and try a dog out and it would just be me and that guy and that dog, he'll cut loose, he treats a coon. All right, so, <laughs> you know, guy ain't know it. Okay. What is he cover dogs? Is he, how, you know, is he, a, is he got enough heart to go long, deep and find a, find him a coon? Or how is he at the tree with other dogs? Like I didn't know to even ask any of that stuff. Right. Right. Do you so think you're, just, you think you're farther ahead now learning that stuff on your own than, than having somebody else to rely on though? Further, I wouldn't say I'm further ahead um, now, but one thing I, I can t say for sure, 100%, is the best lesson learned is when you lose money. <laughs> you got that right, man. I got, keep... <laughs> I, got, I got a story about buying a dog. A buddy of mine wanted to buy a dog. And um, I don't know if I can tell this story without throwing everybody under the bus or not, uh, but it was a squirrel dog. Mm. And we went with this little dog. She was a good looking dog. She had a good mouth. She was quick. Um, but the guy that sold her or the guy that had her for sale wanted to hunt her with another dog that was a nice dog too. And 
we turned the dog loose and we, we had a great hunt. I mean, all day long. And this old dog, I mean, she was the one that was for sale was on point. I mean, if she was quick, you know, if another dog, if the other dog was thinking about tree man, she'd pile in there and she looked good. And my buddy asked me, what do you think? And I was like, I think you should see what she does by herself and, um, see how she acts by herself. And it turns out that she was super quick. If another dog even thought about looking at a tree, she would grab it. And the other dog didn't have to have a squirrel or a coon in the tree to do it either. So she'd back anything. She was, she was a classic cover type dog that was just pretty flashy and could do it a little bit quicker than anybody else. Well, that dog was absolutely worthless when it wasn't with good dogs. She was, she was not a good, good, accurate dog. She, she just was really good at Cover. covering yeah, right. she was a great cover dog and you could win a lot with her. That's the thing. And that's the problem I kind of have with. It used to be worse than it is now, but, but used to a good cover dog could absolutely school you because it turned into a calling contest rather right. than, than the ability to, to, uh, go out and tree coons. So, right. Yeah. I, I experienced that recently. I, like to where it was like prevalent i realized like oh, okay i see what's going on now you know like i heard my dog yeah. locate then i heard somebody Tree, such and such. i'm like that <laughs> what you know what I'm saying? oh and it she was said, he, <laughs> she was over there i was like oh okay i see what this is gonna be about tonight <laughs> it was it was terrible uh i remember the night that we got the win to make big country a night champion and uh i was handling him that night and Donnie was spectating. And after mm -hmm. the first drop, man, country has a locate like a freight train. There's no mistaking it. And you can, he's loud and you can hear him over other stuff. And by the second or third, third drop, man, I had a bunch of cover dogs in the cast. As soon as he had cracked that head and, and let that locate out, man, people were looking to get on the card. Right. So I had to, I had to start calling him. He, but he would, he would mess you up too, because he had to locate when he was going to lock it down and he had right. a lot, he had to locate when he was thinking that he was getting close. And so yep. he wasn't, a, the only way you could know it is, is from hunting with him. And Donnie, Donnie was good at, I mean, he was a master at it because I would, when we'd pleasure hunt, I'd be like, well, he's treating, he's like, ah, he's not treated right yet. You know? Right. And it took me a while to learn that. So he would leave a dog hanging too. You know, he'd, he'd hit that locate and he just wasn't quite sure yet. And then he'd peel off and, and move the track on out and get treed right and leave all those me too cover dogs standing there on a slick tree. So it could help you a little bit too. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. What, like one of the things also that I've learned so far, like, like I said, this is my third year now, but, um, like the more you hunt, like for me personally, the more I hunt with a dog that I like a lot, and then like I'm in the woods, just me and that dog alone, it's like there, it's almost like storytelling time, you know. Like when they get in those woods and they and you start learning what they're saying to you, what what when they're hunting, it's pretty amazing to me, you know. It's yeah. pretty much one of the things that's drawn me to the sport and to to just hound hunting in general, just because it's it's like a storyline when they when you cut them loose and they're kind of telling you every almost everything they're doing. Like I had a dog, I used to hunt a whole bunch before I got Apollo 
And I'm talking about if he if he saw something like some junk in the woods or something, like I would know by what he, how how he sound or yeah, you know, they they pretty much tell you everything for the most part, you know, on a good dog. So I, I've always I found that to be pretty amazing to me. Yeah, for sure. So, and I'm not saying you know like I was telling those stories about big country. Obviously, his win record speaks for itself. He wasn't slow about doing anything, but right. it was just more about the me too side of it. Right, you know, right for that part for some Did reason it? everybody everybody in my contact list thinks thinks now's the time to to send me a text message <laughs> i'm putting that phone aside because there's nothing other than my daughter that's the only one that i needed to answer the rest of them can wait you know what app i use on my phone more than any other app besides the podcast app to listen to this here podcast I use Onyx. Onyx Maps is the most comprehensive mapping system for hunters on the market today. I use it all the time. When I was in New Mexico, I was looking at 40,000 acres of ranch that I needed to learn. I flip open Onyx and just start studying, studying the map. When I'm riding trails, I put the tracking app on. It helps me get around in strange country. I could mark water sources, food sources, bear sign, just all kinds of options within Onyx. You need to check out Onyx Maps by going to houndsmanxp.com. Click on the link on our sponsor page. You'll go right to Onyx Maps. And when you check out, enter the code HXP20 and you will get 20% off of your order. Know where you stand with Onyx. the competitions man like it's been a great learning experience to, for me like just to see the different aspects of and like the different thought processes in the, in the woods with people and you see how people different people react to different situations i've thoroughly enjoyed just learning what what kind of things i mean tell me tell me what that means uh like i've i've enjoyed like kind of like deciphering between different types of people on the cast like you know, some people that are out there just to have a good time and 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 kind of like just have fun. And then you got the people that are out there because you know this is a, this is how I, this is how my, I make my money. This is my my job. This is my nine right. to five. I'm gonna make sure I'm trying to get this win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So just in terms of stuff like that, and just seeing how different people handle dogs, uh, just seeing what I could take away from watching other people like other handlers that I that I might think are a good handler, and just watching them and kind of like learning from them while while i'm in the woods or while i'm watching on youtube or whatever you know mm -hmm. so i just think there's a um a great deal of different um different game plans and strategies by people and i just enjoy watching them and just kind of like paying attention to it yeah where i live i've had the opportunity to to hunt with some of the greatest handlers of all time you know chris allen um doug blackwell um, you know, um, James Tyree, you know, just the list goes on and on. And I I'm dating myself because all those guys are older now. And a lot of the younger guys have no idea who they are. Ronnie bone, um, uh, you know, Jerry mall was place always had a, had winners and, uh, was a handful on the cast. Right. And, and the thing that I always found out is you can learn something from these guys 
Doug Blackwell Sr. gave me an education one night that I'll never forget. And it was a good cast, but we were hunting the Labor Day Classic and I was hunting a little plot female and she's, she's a pretty good little dog. And, um, um, she, she opened and I, I don't know if it was when my hearing was starting to go bad or what, but, but he asked for a call. He said, whose dog is that? And I said, well, I think that's mine. And she barked two more times on the third bark. I didn't give him a call. He goes, your dog's struck and minus for a hundred. Cause I didn't give him a call on that dog. He kind of, right. he kind of threw me off my game a little bit on the first, the first time she opened, you know, cause he was asking me if that's my dog. And then it didn't register in my head that, yeah, she's barked once and now she's barked two more times. I didn't give him a call because right. he asked me after the third bark, he goes, was that your dog? And I said, yep, that was my dog. And he goes, Rachel is struck for a hundred minus for a hundred. Boom. Right there. I mean, it was like, get your head out of your butt. You didn't come here for a good time. This is a Labor Day classic and, and we're playing with the big boys here, you know? So I didn't get butt hurt about it, but I find so many times that guys that don't go into it with that mindset, that this is somebody's real serious business. And I always took it serious too. They're not trying to cheat you. They're trying to hold you accountable for the rules. And, and I never made that mistake again. Right. Yeah. So, I've been, situations like that as well and i like i said a lot of them rules are um they're there for a reason and if you don't know them you're gonna find out what what they are pretty quick right yeah because somebody's somebody's gonna give you an education i just never understood the guys and it happens more i found it to happen more at hunts like uh some of the bigger breed hunts and some of the bigger i'm not gonna name them but it's gonna happen when but when it matters, that's when it's going to happen. The little $35 hunt in the house, it ain't going to happen. They're, they might tell you, hey, you need to do X, Y, and Z. But when it when it counts and, so, yeah, and it matters, you're going to find out them rules. Yeah. What I what I found most of the time is the bigger hunts. And and um, I mean, I'll just say it. it auto, you take an event like Autumn Oaks. Everybody wants to go and, and put a dog in Autumn Oaks. Right. And, or the Winter Classic or or, you know, whatever it is. And they usually, the the guys that come away from that thinking they got cheated are those guys that are like, they've got a buddy that's riding up to the hunt. They jump in the truck with their coon dog and they think, yeah, I always wanted to hunt that hunt. That'd be cool. And then they get up there and they draw somebody that that's there to play to win. And, and they don't like a call or they don't understand a call or they don't understand the rules. That's when you have problems with somebody walking away thinking they got cheated. Right. I've never had a situation where I got beat where, uh, I, I've, I can't remember. I'm sure there's been times. I'm not going to say that it never happened, but where I felt like I got cheated, I allowed myself to be manipulated in a cast. Right. And it left a bad taste in my mouth. But as far as just straight up cheating, no, you know, I never saw anybody putting, you know, shooting raccoon eyes up in a tree or, or, you know, never witnessed anybody catching dogs off a tree, anything like that, you know, and that's, that's outright cheating. But if a guy's got the ability to, to take control of a cast and manipulate that cast in a way that puts him and his dog in a position to win without outright cheating, then that's just good gamesmanship. I know for sure. 
You know, Dale best. Earnhardt did it in a race car. Right. Well, the best yeah. are always going to do that. What's that? The, the best are always going to do that. Yeah. 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 Fighter, you know? So, and what I, go ahead. I was just going to say, and what we're seeing now in this, in 2023, is like what you said. You know, there's people out there that are making their, you know, making their nut. This is their nine to five. This is their job. So, right. You've got a lot better quality handlers, higher quality handlers that know the rules and and know how to use those rules to put themselves in those positions to win. Right, no, for sure, 100%. And I'm just, I've, I'm past, I'm in, at my stage in life, I'm just past that. I It's um, it's not something that I enjoy and I, I don't take it serious enough to go out there and, and hunt against the BKs and the guys that are hungry. I'm just not, I'm not hungry for it anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I really enjoy it. And like I said, I don't, don't, my only problem is I work so much. <laughs> so I got <laughs> so I have to kind of like watch how, how much I do get out there. But, uh, but I, like I said, I really enjoy it. I, in terms of the rules and stuff, I, I, I agree a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like those guys that are the master of the rule book and, and master of the woods, they know how to maneuver and, which way to walk you all types of little stuff you know that um that helps them in the long run and that there are, and there are some cheaters out there you know just, but that's just like anything anything that's taken serious it, it, there's going to be somebody that's not going to do right you know but oh, yeah. um especially but with the money on the line that we've got got out there yeah. today yeah yeah there's some real money on the line in this in this in this sport so but uh, i think but, i i think the rules though and the registries have gotten to the point where if somebody is legitimately cheating, then that's going to be dealt with, you know, and when you've got a guy that's running the roads and this is his life and his livelihood and his money, for one, the guy that's paying the bills for this guy doesn't want him or that dog off the road, you know? Right. So you get, you get barred or you get banned and you've just taken your, you know, you just, derail the the gravy train for yourself there so guys right. are are more uh conscientious of that and they just can't afford it right no i i agree 100 because it's man it's not it's not cheap to to play on that level you know no no so you're talking about shoot spending 10 grand every weekend most. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's you not know, hard it's not, to do is it no it's not hard at all so uh so yeah, no, for, for sure, hundred percent, man. You definitely those rules and stuff. You definitely got. You have to respect the sport, you know. And that's one thing I've learned to respect it a little bit more than I was at first. Right, right. But I guess first, I, I, fun, you know. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is awesome. Then you start losing a couple bucks. Like, hold on, man. Let me pick this book up again. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I used to know them. I used to know the rules front and back, and uh, but you just. You, You've got to be aware going in that, you know, this isn't a hunt with your buddies. Right. You've all paid money to be there. And every dog in that cast ha deserves the right to be able to be successful that night, you know? Right. And so you've got to, like you said, you got to respect the game. No, for sure. hundred percent. And then not, not always in your mind, the best dog might not win you know, that night to you, but the best all that night and best handler couple team, they're going to win, you know? Right. So it's, it's not who you thought was, oh, that's the best dog on this cast. He should have won. Oh, that's the other team put on tonight, you know? Right. Right. For sure.
Well, I want to talk about a couple other things. One, I want to talk about, um, I want to talk about what your nine to five is and mm -hmm. what it's like doing that job and being on the road as much as you are at, but that also affects, you know, what you really love to do. And that's run your coon hounds and run another business called coon dog wear. So let's start sure. out with talking about, about what your nine to five is. Cause I think it's unique. Right. Uh, yeah, so yeah. my nine. Uh, I know it's unique. I know it's unique. Yeah, well, you and I have talked a whole bunch, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh. This isn't the first time we've talked, BK. No, no, no. It won't be the last either, right? Nope. Um, can can you can, you, can if I put my screen, can you see? Yeah, Hold probably. On. Yeah. So I'm. Likely. Let me see if I can flip this. Oh, here it is. So I'm downstairs in my um little fake home office. Yep. And. Hey, what do you know right there, right? Oh, a blue book. <laughs> PKC blue book. All right. So here's uh this is a, a platinum album that we had. Uh it's called it was called Dirty Sprite 2 DS2. And this is two times platinum for uh, the recording artist future. And I kind of like just keep some of my like almost like trophies for me, you know? Right. On uh, just different albums and different um projects this is dj esco's too much sauce record who went platinum um so so for my job i'm a, a music manager um so i manage uh recording artists producers um in in the hip-hop uh field of, of music so i've been doing that since 2011 i started um with actually with, with future then and uh we've been rolling ever since then um I had took a little hiatus for a little bit when my daughter was born, just because I was gone so much. The craziest thing I was I was in Budapest for a concert with Future. My daughter called and she was screaming, crying. She's probably like two years old. She's about to be seven now, but she was screaming, "I just miss you so much." I hadn't been home in over a month, you know. And she was just screaming, I "Come home, Daddy, come home!" I, man, I, I had to pack up everything and go home, man. <laughs> I had to take a little break, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I've done this. I've, I've done this for quite some time, and I, I own part of a couple like restaurants and bars and stuff here in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And but music music management is my main uh, my main business. So and you travel around the world managing for these artists, correct? These hip hop artists, right? I I gotta ask you, man. You know, the first thing I gotta ask is, what is it like? you know, at the club or, or setting up, it's like, man, what do you do besides, besides work, BK? I mean, uh, what do you do? And you say, oh, I love to coon hunt. What, how's that conversation go? Oh, uh, it's, it's funny. I get made fun of a lot. <laughs> like with my peers at work, like, like with future and everybody, like they'll be like, Oh, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go fly to, uh, France or we're going to go to the beach, you know, over here, we're going to take a, you know, take a, a, a plane out and go, go have fun. And they're like, all right, well, everyone's coming, but you know, BK, he's going to be, he's going to be in the woods covered with deer piss all weekend. So leave him alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, let's go out and, and, uh, do this. And you're like, ah, I think I'm going to stay here and look at the, look at the standings from last, last night's pro sport hunt. Right. Like in, like on our calendar for our work calendar, it said last week, you know, I had to, I took the whole week away and it said all the moats are by the well, what's all the most? So I, you know, I start explaining what it is. They're just like, man, you, do, you're the, you don't do anything but that. They're like, you're either working or, or, or hunting. I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. I really don't have any other 
recreational activities that I like to do other than hunt and work. That's it. Do you find that, that, uh, being a hunter and having that well-known in that community, has it been a barrier for you? Uh, I think most, most of us feel like that the entertainment business is full of a bunch of, uh, you know, people that, that may or may not, that, well, they don't agree with hunting. Have you seen that? Uh, not so much not agree with hunting, but definitely not understand. They're like, so you mean to tell me you have a flashlight, you just walk around the woods at three o'clock in the morning to find a raccoon. So I'm like, yeah, pretty much, you know, so you, uh, oftentimes I have to pretty much, it's like an educational point where I, anyone educate them quickly on, you know, what it is and why I do it and why I enjoy it so much. And I've had several times people ask to come, you know, they don't always make it out, but they ask, you know. Right. Right. Well, what kind of things do you tell them to, to, to make them understand? What are some of your key talking points that seem to uh, get some traction with these people that don't understand hunting? Uh, well, so, well a, lot of the, a lot of guys in, in, in my line of work, I, as soon as I tell them you can win a bunch of money, they start their ears perk. <laughs> <laughs> Like I show them, I show them like you know ads for like different hunts where you know like a, like bigger hunts and they're like man really and then they'll start you know they'll start looking into it like wow that's crazy I never knew that you know I never knew that that was such a, a big thing where they, they could put that kind of you know money or trophies or whatever it is on the line and that and that's when I kind of get into you know uh, the style of, of the of the rules or, or telling them different breeds of dogs mm-hmm. they start asking questions Usually, typically I lead with what you can win and what you can accomplish uh, in the sport. And then it, that, that, that grabs everyone's attention like that. Right. And then I get into, you know, uh, what it takes to, to have a good dog or what it takes to, to try and get one ready for a hunt and get into breeding and, and just kind of explaining backwards from there. Well, have you, have you found that, that when they find <clears throat> out that you're not actually killing the raccoon in the course of a, competition hunt that they kind of open up to it and they accept it uh i I tell you the truth i haven't i haven't personally noticed a difference in if i was killing it or not killing it because nine times out of ten they assume you're going to kill it anyway like the guys that i'm around Mm -hmm. i haven't had anyone say oh that's horrible or oh this or that like you know they ask you you know in a competition can you kill it of course i tell them no but i tell them you know the pleasure hunt we do you know right Um, so but i haven't had anyone look down on it at all so far so so the the mindset is as long as they are you selling the values of hunting or are you selling the values of competing with a dog no i'm selling i'm i'm really i'm leading with the values of competing with with a dog and then i then i close with what it does for me um as a person like mm-hmm. being woods and, and being able to you know have moments with my dad like i went hunting last night with my dad last night and it, you know it always creates great memories and moments for, for me so that that's what i close with yeah well do you ever get into like i know what you were doing last night you guys were doing a uh nuisance raccoon deal on a on a club or you know a piece of right. private property do you mm-hmm. get into that side of it with them saying hey you know if it raccoons do this they cause this damage they you know we've got to manage the resource you can't have too many of them they'll get sick do you ever have any of those conversations with them and try to educate them on on the overall 
health of wildlife and and how they fit how hunting fits into wildlife management yeah i do uh, a lot of times that comes with another conversation that because i do um some timber investments and re recreational land investments and stuff so a lot of times when i'm speaking to someone about um investing in properties and, and timber we i start getting into how you have to take care of and manage the property in terms of wildlife and and, and uh just your stewardship and um so once once I start explaining to them, you know, about, you know, the turkey eggs or, or the deer population and how you kind of kind of like keep your eyes on everything to make sure do you have a, a, a good ecosystem within your property, you know what I mean? Um, then that's that's kind of like when I when I start breaking those type of items down. And you um, say, oh, by the way, I know a guy that can come and help you out with that stuff. Here's my card. I'll be back tonight. <laughs> when you buy the when you when when we manage this property or you buy this property from me hey just so you know i got the raccoon population thing under control here so <laughs> right. right it's like everyone around here now that like i haven't deer hunted man in like two or three years i was just talking about get rid of my bow yesterday i've i've only been coon hunting you know and uh so that, like my dad him and his buddy they own a good good percentage of land around here and so a lot of times my dad told me hey you got a coon problem you know call my son bk you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great man that's great so but but what's your opinion i mean is the entertainment business you're right in the middle of it i mean do you feel like that are they just uninformed and they're picking up on the wrong messages or are they actively you know, putting their money where their mouth is and, and trying to stop hunting in the United States. No, I, I don't, I, I don't see anyone in my, in my, in my, in my circle trying to stop any hunting. I, I think a lot of, a lot of the guys that I talk to are really interested in it. They just haven't had no exposure to it at all. So that's interesting. Think, yeah. I'm, I'll be 44 next month. And I, I started coon hunting when I was 40 or well, 41. So I, I had no idea about it. I'm talking about at all. And I hunted, I deer hunted, I rabbit hunted. I did all those things. I had no idea about coon hunting at all until then. Mm-hmm. How, but when did you start rabbit hunting and deer hunting, things like that? What age? Uh, man, as far as I can remember. Yeah. So you grew up hunting. You just switched yeah. from, you just added another layer of your hunting experience with, with coon hunting. Right. Right, yeah, I've been hunting since I was probably I don't know five years old, something like that. Like going with my dad, you know. Mm -hmm. Right, but and especially in the music world, like a lot of those guys are, um, they just like I said, they don't have the, any experience, they don't have any knowledge, they don't have any understanding of why we do it or or what we're doing. Um, so, I, so I, that's why I try my best to educate people as much as possible. There's been a few guys that I know in the music world that that just recently started deer hunting and. And they're like slowly starting to get out there a little bit, you know, trying different things. Mm -hmm. um, but just the educational aspect is the biggest thing is just people being uninformed. Do you think some of that's coming from, uh, you know, like Rogan's very, Joe Rogan, he's very open about, about hunting and, right. you know, his support of hunting. I don't always agree with everything he says because uh, he's a new hunter and he i don't think he fully understands all the dynamics of hunting but he doesn't have to at this point you know every every hunter right. goes through developmental stages and for a guy like like joe rogan to be able to you know he he'll openly talk about it with just about anybody on his podcast 
Um, right. but, um, when you get a guy like that, that's, that's openly discussing hunting and the values of hunting and why it's important to him, you know, now he's, he's, he's got people listening to him that he has influence over, you know, like the futures, like, you know, cause I'm sure right. future future would, has he been on Rogan's podcast? Uh, no, he hasn't been on, on that podcast yet. He, he just, he's not really a podcast guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but people of his, of his, at his level have been on, right. on Rogan's right. podcast. So now he's got influence at those higher levels. And I just wonder how much of that is transferable, you know, from guys like that. I've always said, man, like Dale Earnhardt was a huge hunter. And he made a couple of videos, but he never really talked about it. Alan Jackson, um, you know, a lot of the country music singers are, are very vocal about hunting or they're, they love to hunt, but they're not vocal about it. And why, yeah. why, why are they not vocal about it? Yeah. I don't know. I told you, I'm not sure. I know, uh, there's a singer from around, around this way, uh, Riley green. He's a avid, uh, deer hunter and, and duck hunter. And he's, I don't know. He speaks on it pretty well. Um, I don't know, maybe it's some type of, uh, thought process of maybe some backlash, maybe coming from it. That's what I'm wondering, man. Is it, is it a deal where the managers or the publicists are saying, man, stay away from that. That's not going to play well for you. Why? Well, oh, it's funny you say that. Cause I had a situation recently to where I was dealing with, uh, one of our agencies, right. And, uh, it's a massive agency, one of the biggest in the, in the world and mm -hmm. they were like film, television, things like that. So I was talking to them about Kuna, and they're like, they're like, man, well, you can't call it that. I said, what do you mean I can't call it Kuna? And they're like, aren't you afraid of the, the backlash from it? And I said, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, back, <laughs> going into, you know, the whole racial stuff, right? And I'm just like, well, I don't look at it that way. I said, you made, you made it this, you made this awkward now, not me. You know what I'm saying? I was right. like, so, the raccoon is raccoon, and we call it Kuna. And, they're like, well, we, are you sure you want to go with that? I said, that's what I'm going with. I said, if anyone has a problem, we'll just have to try and sort it out at that time. I said, because that's what it's called. And uh, Well, I got to ask you, though. I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Right. BK, your skin tone's a little bit darker than mine. <laughs> Can you get away with that? And I can't. In, in terms of what? What do you mean? Well, I mean, uh, is it... Do you feel like, do you feel like that they're more receptive of you calling it coon hunting because you're African-American or you're a black man? But they weren't, they weren't receptive of it at all. Still. Just were they white? Were they a bunch of white people? No. Oh, I find that, that there's a lot of woke white people out there that take more <laughs> offense to some of this stuff than, than what the African-American black community does. Right. No, I, I agree that there, there's a lot of that. Um, I have a pretty tough skin, tough skin though. I, I kind of get into debates a lot about stuff like this, but, uh, well, that's one of the reasons why I like you because you just call it like it is. I mean, it's called coon hunting. It doesn't right. mean anything other than, you know, raccoon it's called coon hunting. We don't say we're taking a raccoon hound out to go hunt the raccoon. That's not what right. we, that's not what we say. And that nobody's going to know what you're talking about. Right. If that's the way you talk about it. And, I, and that's kind of how I put, that's kind of how I put it out to them. Listen, that's what it's called. And now I'm not changing it. So if y'all don't want to do it because of that, then fine. I said, but I'm not changing it because that's what we call it, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah, cool, man. That is, I think it's important that that um, that we talk about those elephants in the room at times and and get them right out there on the table. But the people that were trying to get you to change your narrative or your dialogue to suit their to suit to their, soothe their, to soothe their emotions. Yeah, that was their emotion, right? And that's why I told them. I said. You know, I said, man, like I'm black. So you know what I'm saying so yeah. I'm not gonna like you know say anything crazy about about you know the situation. I was like, so how are you gonna tell me if I'm if I'm this person I'm telling you this is what we're gonna call, it. how are you gonna tell me otherwise? So I said, <laughs> right, I'm, that's what I was trying to tap into right there. That feeling that you got about right. it right there. Yeah, I was pissed, man. <laughs> were you? I was pissed. Did did they come around or I mean how did how did that conversation end? It ended just like I said. Either we're gonna do it my way, or we're not gonna do it at all. And they decided we'll try and figure out a way to do it. I said, okay. Good deal, man. That's awesome. All right, let's talk about. Uh, you know, we talked about your, we talked about your day job, so to speak. Right. Traveling around the world. How do you keep? Let's talk about coon dog wear. Mm. I I want to talk about coon dog wear because you're you're apparel you're i mean it's clothing company by and large for the most part that's how you drove your stake in the ground but um i think the thing that really sets you apart bk is the quality of the clothes that you offer to the public right, right yeah um that was that was pretty much the the main my main focus um when i took the company over was to make sure that I, I maintained a, a top quality and, and top level product. Um, just that way everyone's happy. Like I, one of the, the, I guess, poor business skills of mine is always trying to make everyone please the customer, right? Mm -hmm. So even if, if I take a, a whipping on it, like I just want to make sure everyone's happy. You know what I mean? So uh, so I always try to go with, you know, the 100% cotton stuff or, and, you know, pre-shrunk pre or uh, what pre-grung of material. And good quality ink. Like I wouldn't just use just any ink for my designs. Like I, I went sought after you know a higher level. So um, I feel like that's what I feel like that's what's going to carry me in the long run. Uh, like especially right now, things you know in, mar in the market space, things have been, been increasing everywhere across the board in terms of cost of goods and, and mm -hmm. you know trying to make things. So I hate when I have to pass you know pass that cost on because it's because it's detrimental to my side, you know? So I try to hold out long as possible, but sometimes you have to make certain changes within the company just so that way you can, you know, keep it going, you know? Did um, you have to, did you have to take a look at the inventory and make some changes there to, I mean, cause your, yeah. your style, your design, your, your, like the sweatshirts that uh, my wife picked up from you at Autumn Oaks. Those are, those are high end. They, they have the feel of high end quality garments. No, and then sure. the art, the artwork, and the design on them are great. Yeah. So, uh, so listen, and, and specifically with Auto Oaks this year, um, I kind of jumped out there a little bit, uh, in, in in terms of like what my like the youth like the youth kid shirts. Previously, I, I was it was very rare that I carried them, you know. But I, I noticed that a lot of people were asking for youth size shirts. So this year, I made sure I, I had them. But in that process, to have the same quality youth shirt with the same design it cost me the same amount as for an adult shirt but so basically long story short to make sure i had the right product for them at, at, at uh, automotive i lost pretty much like five dollars per shirt 
for 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 the youth shirts just so i can make sure it, it was the exact same quality exact same design exact same uh, material so that way everyone has the same thing i'm not taking any more business advice from you now bk <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so i think i think consumers a lot of times they don't um and i i put myself in this same category uh before i started selling merchandise you know logo wear merchandise you're like man why does that hat cost 30 bucks or 35 bucks right you know well i'm telling you right now if you when you add everything up and you start deciding what your margins are on this stuff unless you want to do it for free right the, i mean it's just not a good business decision Dude, at all it's like I've had plenty of conversations where I thought, man, I might, I might not even do this no more. You know, <laughs> I've had the same conversations with myself. I think you've had conversation together before. We uh, have. We've talked about this. Yeah, but uh, but I just, man, I really enjoy it. I love being in my booth. I love when people come over, and talk to me. I get to meet people every 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 trip. Someone new, and and I go to other hunts and see the same people. So it's like I get a lot more enjoyment out of it than maybe the average person that's doing it like strictly business-wise, you know? So it's like, I, I really, really, I really, really enjoy it. So I try to stay on top of it and try and do the best job that I can uh, when I have time. But you're but, not there. You're not there to give away free t-shirts either. Or free sweatshirts. No, no. Yeah. I'm definitely not. But, but in this particular instance, I had to, I had to do it just to make sure everything was uniform and everything stayed properly the way it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. But uh, I get, I get really upset when people come to my table and say, well, I'll give you, like I said, my hoodies are really like 50 bucks. And if it's a, a 3X or something, it's like 55. I'll give you uh, 45 bucks if I buy two of them. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like, buddy, I got 40 bucks, 4150 into this. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so, right. So, I, so I, I get real irritated with people when they when they start trying to negotiate and wheel and deal, which I get, you know, that's part of, you know, part of, you know, someone wanting to feel like they got a deal, but. I don't, I really don't cut too many deals. I just, if they don't want it, they just don't get it, you know? Right. See, that's the part of the business side that I need more of right there. And I'm not, I'm not in this business. I'm, I'm here to produce podcasts and talk about how we save hunting in the future with hounds. That's, that's always going to be the main goal. But, right. you know, I also carry some merchandise and some different stuff on that side. And, um, I, I'm the type of person too that I like high quality stuff. You know, it's right. like, uh, this Western rider hat that I'm, I'm wearing right now with a stitched leather patch cap. That's got a unique look to it. It's a, it's a Richardson hat. So it's a high quality hat and it's got a high quality patch on. It. Right. And I know what that, that the hat costs me almost as by the time I pay for the shipping and you got to buy 300 of them to get the price right. breakdown. Right. I mean that you're talking about a substantial investment and then I've got to haul them to an event or I've got to ship them or I've got to do whatever. And this isn't a sad, this is, this isn't a sad story for us. I mean, we're making money on them and we appreciate everybody that's buying them, but at the same time, there needs to be a little more of an awareness out there that it costs money to do business and you, you can't go in the hole if you want to stay in business. You right. Know? And I, th I think that a lot of people don't realize what vendors in general go through to make these events. Like, it's not a simple thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
there's a lot of preparation, a lot of pre-planning. Make sure you have somewhere to stay. Make sure you have the right hands and ability to, to unload and load in a reasonable amount of time. Make sure you have the right products. Make sure you have enough inventory to restock products. It's a, exactly. It's, a, it's not it's not some simple just, oh, we're just going to go today and pop up over here all the most. No, nah, but it just took months of planning. You're right. You know, you got to make sure we had to reorder and have, have different sizes and designs. Everything was stocked and ready to go. We right. came back. And I'm, I've got a, haven't gone through my inventory yet, but I know that I sold out of a couple sizes of different things. I'm going to have to reorder. And, and again, it goes back to, you know, when you're figuring out your inventory to get that price break to, for me to be able to sell this t-shirt at this price, you know, how many am I going to have to order? Where's my price cutoffs? I mean, it's not right. just like, uh, you know, let's, like you said, let's, let's go and sell some t-shirts this weekend. It's not that simple. And then they don't realize too, that like when you're, when you're shopping for price breaks, you're doing it for them, really. You know, they don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize it because you, you're not wanting to go up on prices on your customers because you want everyone to be happy. So it's like, you're, you're really putting yourself in a hole. Like, like for all the most, I ordered a thousand hats. Right. And I know I'm not going to sell a thousand hats. But I know in order to keep my price where everyone finds it affordable and, and happy to pay it, I have to I have to order that book order. That thousand hats is gonna last me for a while, you know. But right. it's like it was like they don't realize like like I said, they don't people don't realize how much goes into it, you know. Well, not only not only how much planning goes into it, but a thousand hats, Richardson hats, aren't cheap. No, not at all. I mean, you're out thousands of dollars with overhead at this point that you're hoping to sell down the road. Right. Yeah, tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Right. And you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same as you. It's like, it's like, yeah, I don't want to spend that much money on a hat. It's okay. Well, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You know? Right. Um, and sometimes I get a little in my head, I get a little snarky. It's like, it's like our dog box you know, that we, we designed, I know what's in that dog box. I know how it's built. I know it's a great box. I know the price is high, but mm -hmm. if, but at the same time, go design your own dog box. If you don't right. want to spend that much money on it, you know, right. if you go and out and have a cu custom dog box built, you're not going to yeah. be able to get it for cheaper than what I'm selling, selling our dog box. Don't go complaining. All oh, my, you know, I hate my box and my box does this. My box does that. Like, I was telling you the other day when I saw your box, I was very impressed by your box. And I was like, man, my buddy, one of my buddies the other day called me about my box um, that we carried the Kundal Wear box. And he was like, he's like, man, I really want it, but it's kind of expensive. I was like, okay. I, I, matter of fact, we have, I'm going to shoot you the text message. <laughs> and, then he was, <laughs> and then he was like, um, he went and bought a used box and then called me back to, to, to help, have me help him get one of my boxes in again because he was unsatisfied with the used box. Yeah. So I, so I can tell you all the time, you want to buy something, you want to buy it one time. That's it. Buy buy something quality one time and not have to buy another one. Buy once, cry once. Right. You know, whether it's a dog, whether it's the quality of the firearm you're going to carry, you know, whatever it is, you know, buy once, cry once. Because, and I don't know why that's so hard. Uh, it's that way in everything. It, I get tunnel vision on the hound hunting community because that's who we deal with every day, but it's true in everything. You know, when you're, whether you're putting a roof on a house or, or playing for a plumbing job, you get what you pay for. And if you pay for quality the first time, that's the last time you're going to have to pay for it. Right. No, for sure. You know, the, 
the one that the one that really gets me going is the whole dog food conversation you know about about um you can pay one price for a bag of dog food or you can pay a third of the price for three different bags of dog food and spend more feeding the cheaper stuff than you do if you just fed them the the good stuff right. to begin cheap with. Stuff, they're gonna pass it they're gonna their, their body's gonna pass it all, all day long their body's not gonna re retain anything from it so it's like you're gonna feed three cups or four cups of a cheaper brand if you, you could have fed one cup that was healthier in the dog and it stuck to the dog and we're asking the dogs to perform that's the thing right. it's not like we're just trying to keep them alive we have performance expectations out of these dogs right and that's i thought well i don't know that's a completely different subject but oh yeah yeah we can go off on that and talk two yeah. hours on that yeah okay you know i'm big in like the whole nutrition stuff and all that kind of like feeding and stuff just because like when you're acquired so much from a, from an athlete um you, you got to put into the into their body what, what you're taking from it you know like a lot of people don't realize within that first that first hour after a hunt to two hours their body's pulling, pulling from all that muscle muscles, trying to, trying to pull, you know, good fats and, and good things for, 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 for a dehydrated dog or whatever. So it's like, I, I just don't know. People, I, I get irritated sometimes thinking about it, but like, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that nutrition thing. That I feel like a lot of people don't realize, you know? Yeah. There, there aren't any Olympic athletes that are, um, you know, bragging about their diets of fudge rounds and, and uh, hot dogs you know they're right. they're eating to perform and and when we have so much uh we we like i said we go down this road but when we depend so much on the performance of our dogs sometimes i just scratch my head and it just leaves me perplexed man i'm like the reason your dog's not running or the reason you're not doing good in the late round look what you look look how you're feeding your dog look how you're or catching right. a bear, falling out of bear races, or whatever it is. Right, right. And people don't realize too that after you depleted dogs' energy in, in their body so much on, on a big hunt, or, or like just when you're pleasure hunting, like you have a, a there's there's actually a time window after that hunt to where your dog's body's going to start pulling from its muscles or its fat sources within sure. the body, so that way it can replenish the muscles. So it's like with if you miss those windows, you're really doing more damage than good. That's so why like, we've had, yeah, exactly. That's exactly why we've had guests on like Dr. Arla Reynolds, oh, Kevin yeah. and Kevin Hall with the dogs are hydrated. I mean, hydration yeah. is one of the most overlooked things that, that we, we look at in our dogs. I mean, we overlook it and right. there's times to hydrate and there's times for optimal hydration. And I'm telling you, man, that can give you an edge. No, even sure. in competition hunting, if you understand it and you know how to get on, get in front of that thing. Right. And there's, and there's also going to the hydration part. There's also periods of the year due to weather where too much hydration is bad. Mm -hmm. So, but like I said, we can, that's a whole nother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, coon dog wear, it, how do, how do people find it? Because. Uh, uh, websites coon.wear.com um we have instagram we have facebook uh katie millwood she helps with she's really good with the like social media stuff so she uh she's on board with us and um yeah we're pretty we pretty much try to make it to all the big hunts that we can you know yeah I what, kind of, this, what events you got coming up bk that you're gonna uh, be at I know for sure Grand American. I love Grand American. I like Winter Classic. I'm, I'm gonna try my best to try and hit some of the like um, 
like PKC world hunters and like some of the world hunts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have calls out for those to yet to see if there's a available space, but I know hundred percent grand American, uh, Walker days and, um, and uh winter classic hundred percent. Yeah. Nice. Make sure you guys stop by the booth and check out the quality. I'm my wife likes your stuff. And yeah, you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, she loves it, man. She always walks uh, up smiling. Do what? I say every time she I see her, she's just always smiling. You know, I'm, so I'm not <laughs> sure because she's nice and likes me, or she just, or it's because we're you know come over here get a big bag of free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what she's always that way. Everybody that sees her, everybody that meets her, yeah, I've seen awesome. it. I'm about the only person that sees her when she's not smiling. And then, buddy, stay <laughs> out of the way. She's right. got this. Everybody's got this idea. It's like, oh, Carrie, she's so nice and she's so sweet. And it's like you that. have no freaking clue. <laughs> she's always super nice, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Now she had a big time at Autumn Oaks. Probably the first event that she's gone with me in years, and definitely the first event that that uh, she legitimately had a good time. No, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, ma'am. I think we probably ought to wrap this one up and um unless you got something else that that you need to spring on us, BK. Oh uh, no, nothing really to spring on you guys, man. Just hopefully uh hope I you know get out and get to see more people and meet new people and, and keep this thing rolling, you know. Yeah, you wear the coon dog wear when you're on the road with future. Oh yeah, for sure. I got pictures of paparazzi and magazines and all types of stuff with coon dog wear hat on. <laughs> awesome. That is so funny. That's great. All right, folks. Well, BK, I appreciate your time, man. I, I, more importantly, I've, I've always appreciated your friendship. I, Thanks. You know, you, you've always supported Houndsman XP. Uh, you guys can actually go to the Houndsman XP website and go to our sponsor page and click on Friends of Houndsman XP, and it'll take you to BK's site at Coon Dog Wear. Um, we don't worry about affiliate sales it's just bk's a good dude it sells a quality product and he's always been a good friend to me and and so that's how you access it but you can go to coondogware.com so make sure you're checking out the houndsman xp podcast join our facebook groups uh houndsman xp podcast is our page the group we have the group houndsman xp podcast group and uh checks out on instagram Visit our website, make sure you're shopping with our sponsors because they keep the lights on here and keep us bringing guests like BK and, and telling the story of the American houndsman and keeping that sport alive in the good old U S of a, there it is. There it is. All (laughs) right. Thanks for tuning in to the houndsman XP podcast. This is fair chase.